0: Well, hello there, happy innovators. How you doing today, huh? How's it going out there in the world? You know, normally I do my singularity podcasts early in the morning. You know, it's usually like the first thing I do or one of the first things I do. But today, you know, it just was like the time just got away from me. And so now I'm doing my podcast today at the end of the day. So, you know, it won't be too much longer before I have to stop and shut everything down and get on with my evening. But, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit, kind of say howdy and uh, touch base with my happy innovators. You know, uh, last night, my wife and I were watching this uh, Netflix special with uh, Dave Chappelle, the comedian, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm not like a huge fan of stand-up comedy or anything. And I've talked about this before in other episodes, but I gotta say that um, I'm starting to kind of change, I think, a little bit. Um, uh, Change my attitude about stand-up comedy and stuff like that. Um, You know, because it's... Not really just comedy. It's not really just funny. You know, it's, it's more than that. You know, it's um, really an exercise of freedom of speech. And here in the United States, and probably everywhere else in the world, the ability to speak freely about things uh, is paramount. Okay, to uh, existence. Like, you need to be able to speak your mind, you know, redress of grievances, you know, or, uh, you know, say things that are challenging, speaking truth to power. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's very important. And so we're watching this special with Dave Chappelle last night. And, you know... He's one of my favorite comics, okay? I mean, I don't know too many stand-up comics, but, you know, I know the basics, like Bill Burr, you know, uh, uh, you know Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, the basics. And, of course, Dave Chappelle. And uh, I got to say, I just think that Dave Chappelle stands out from all the other stand-up comics that I've seen, I mean, his monologue really, because that's—it's not really just a stand-up comedy routine with jokes and punchlines. It is so masterfully done, and you know, masterfully executed. Uh, and I gotta say, I had heard, you know, prior to watching this. Uh, particular Netflix special with Dave Chappelle uh, Sticks and Stones I think it was called Um, you know I had heard about it I had heard that it had caused some controversy or whatever and you know to be honest with you at this point it's kind of like I don't really always believe that when I read that, that something is controversial because really there's no way for me to really know if it caused a controversy with a group of people or something, it's like you just, you hear that it did. That doesn't mean that it happened. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was kind of curious to check this out, you know, just to see how it was. And like I said, I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle already anyway. But, oh my gosh, I was just shocked at how, uh, well, one, how funny still is okay and you know you I could tell at least I think I can anyway in my arrogant opinion I kind of felt like he was really trying to push the limits you know like he was really rocking the boat with this monologue that he was doing and you know it went for like an hour and a half I think or like I don't even remember now like two hours that's what it seemed like anyway Um, But it was fascinating, you know, this exercise in speech, in the words that we say, you know, and the impact that words, just words, strung in a certain pattern or in a certain order um, can cause so many different emotions, you know, like... The message that someone gives can impact our emotions, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, some of the stuff that Dave Chappelle said, I have to be honest, was like, you know, mildly offensive. Right. To me. Okay, but that's kind of like the point. Right. Like and he kind of expressed that. You know, in his show, that um, when a stand up comic comes out onto the stage, okay, there's a certain kind of like contract, like a silent agreement, right, between the audience and the performer. That, you know, the audience is there to laugh and to be challenged and to have fun, okay, and the comedian, right, is there to say things that will make people laugh and make people react and, you know, probably, you know, have a good time, right? That's the idea. And, you know, never before really had I ever really thought about that until I watched this Dave Chappelle show because it's kind of like in lieu of all this stuff that's happened in the United States over the past four years, you know, like the Me Too movement and uh, transgender rights and just, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff that's on the headlines and the front pages and all the things we're not allowed to say and the things we're not allowed to talk about. I mean, it's just, we live in this time when that is the case. Okay, And for better or for worse, that's the way it is here in the United States right now, at least from my limited understanding. Okay, um, But what was interesting about Dave Chappelle and the way that he was talking was not just that what he was saying was controversial or offensive to people, okay, but... It wasn't like he was picking on one group of people or excluding another group of people from his shots that he was taking with these statements and the things that he was saying, these jokes, right? He doesn't make jokes about only certain people or, you know, only certain things. He he can talk about anything and he can make fun of anything he can make a joke out of anything right and i thought that that was impressive it was impressive to me like his dialogue and the things that he said even though i don't agree with everything that he said and like i said some of what he said was actually offensive to me um and some of it i think he was just flat out wrong you know uh that that's okay though see like in that context of a stand-up comedy show it is okay it is acceptable it is not and it should not be you know this ultra serious thing you know it should be a sense of really uh at least as far as speech is concerned like anything goes you know And pushing the limits and testing the boundaries and, you know, uh, kind of like, I guess seeing what people may or may not tolerate, you know, like how far can you go with your speech? How far can you go with your message, you know, before someone gets offended and storms out of the room and the point was really at the end of this special after watching it really my thoughts were like we should never censor stand-up comics and i don't know about anywhere else in society okay i'm not here to talk about that i don't want to debate that but when it comes to a stand-up comedy routine or the agreement between the performer and the audience is really kind of like anything goes. It's all a joke. It's not serious. The the point is to uh, be equal in your mockery or your you know comedy uh, and what you what you aim at different groups of people. I mean, I'm probably not explaining this as clearly as I could. So I apologize for that, but. I just, I felt like I really wanted to talk about it today. It kind of signals to me a change uh, that's coming in American society, you know, where um, we can all agree on certain things, you know, regardless of our politics or whatever, there is common ground to be found with all people in America and with all groups, you know, um, at least I feel that way. And apparently Dave Chappelle feels that way too. I would highly recommend you watch, uh, Sticks and Stones, you know, with uh, Dave Chappelle, the Netflix special and, you know, judge for yourself. That's what I would recommend. But, um, Immediately after, it was kind of funny, immediately after my wife and I watched Dave Chappelle, we saw that Bill Burr had a Netflix special as well. So, you know, I'm a fan of Bill Burr. I think he's actually pretty damn funny. And uh, not everything he says is funny. And, you know, (laughs) there's certainly times when I just have to turn him off because I just, he gets so negative sometimes, but he is really funny, at least to me. And so my wife and I were watching his special, too, and he had kind of like a whiff of what Dave Chappelle was doing, too. Almost like they had colluded with each other, you know? Like they they talked about it. They said, you know, we're fed up with the censorship thing and having to watch what we say and people overreacting to our jokes and the things that we say. Um, you know, let's just go out there and, you know, put the pedal to the metal like we won't even we won't hold back you know you do your show i'll do mine and uh let's just you know let's go for it don't hold back anything in fact if anything push the boundaries go further you know say the joke that's going to definitely get tweeted and retweeted and retweeted and all over instagram and all those things like definitely say you know the joke that will end your career you know because that's really the climate right now in america you know if somebody says the wrong thing or something like that that's it man you know and it's too bad because ultimately what it means is that you know people are intimidated and they can't feel comfortable speaking their piece And, you know, I don't care what your politics is. I don't care what your belief system is, you know, what myths you subscribe to or, you know, what allegiances you have. You should never have to be afraid to be what you are and to say what you want to say. And I don't care what it is, you know. Like, just because I don't agree with your choices, or just because I don't agree with your lifestyle, or whatever it is, I don't agree with your politics, or whatever, you should still be able to speak your mind. You know, you shouldn't be, you know, in fear of, you know, losing your job or your reputation or whatever because of something that you said. Oh, get, you know, get out of here. There's no room for that now. Everybody should feel comfortable in their own skin and should feel comfortable and secure enough to speak openly about certain issues without, you know, losing their ass, you know? Um, maybe I'm wrong. People might be rolling their eyes. But you know what? that's just how I see it, and like I said, it's apparently how Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr see it too, you know? Um, uh, but I will say this too, that uh, you know, after watching both the Dave Chappelle special and the Bill Burr special, I think the Bill Burr show was uh, called Paper Tiger, and uh, yeah, that's what it was called, and you know more than anything else like it more than just the what the, the laughs and the humor and the entertainment of those two shows um what was more important to me i guess what what stood out to me the most was that um what i see happening is something that i think over the years i've seen happen before now I'm almost 50 years old I'm 48 years old so I've lived enough life to, you know, watch this pendulum the social pendulum swing from left to right you know, year after year decade after decade the pendulum swings the other way you know so you're probably wondering what I'm talking about, right? but uh, I'll explain it Um, like... Okay, you had, let's say, the Clintons back in the 1990s, right? Uh, Democrats from Arkansas, so, uh, and charismatic, too. So, uh, Bill Clinton was, you know, far left, you know, the pendulum swings to the left, and our culture follows, you know, it goes in that direction. And the Democrats have their time, you know. But, you know, eventually that pendulum swings all the way back to the other side, right? To the right. But if you're a fan of the left, don't worry. Don't worry. Just hang on because that pendulum will swing back over time, over a few years, maybe 10 years. That pendulum will swing back to the left. And if you're a fan of the right, don't worry. Just wait a little bit longer because that pendulum, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's going to swing right back to the right again. And that seems to be kind of like, at least from my perspective, uh, that seems to be the way it goes most of the time. In fact, that's the way it's gone all the time that I can remember, right? And that's a very good thing, (laughs) okay? Uh, And, you know, really when it comes to leadership and, like, presidents and governors and senators and things like that, it seems to me, from my standpoint, which is a very limited one, like, I don't know any politicians or, you know, I've never known or talked to a politician, really. Uh, at least not to any great extent or something. Um, but the idea seems to me, to like, basically, don't rock the boat. You know, you the people who get elected are the people who don't rock the boat too much. And, um, you know, I guess there are some people probably who would say that uh, President Trump has rocked the boat too much, but I don't really think so. I don't really think so. I'm not quite sure what to make of all that stuff. I'm not quite sure what to make of, you know, the pundits, you know, and the talking heads and the things that they say You know, it's so difficult to know what's real and what's true. And, uh, you know, I just don't want to have anything to do with it. But I do live in this country, so I have to have some kind of opinion. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what I've said it before and I'll say it again. This election cycle, this campaign cycle that we're entering right now for the 2020 elections Oh my gosh, is it going to be tumultuous here in the United States? I mean, it already is. I mean, in some ways, I suppose it could be argued that ever since President Trump was elected, it, it never really stopped. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, it, it is amazing. And in some ways, it's really kind of disappointing, too, that, uh, you know, the country I live in, man, this country that I love, I love this country. I love America. I do. Uh, wow. It's really in some serious trouble right now. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. And it's only going to lather up even more than it already is. I mean, it's going to be, wow, you know, cutthroat politics, man. Just... (laughs) Mud slinging Oh boy, that's like that's an old term. They're gonna have to come up with something new, you know, a new word to describe what's going on in this election campaign because, oh boy, it's just rough here. Anyway, I'm gonna get a sip of my coffee and kind of try to think of something and maybe a little bit more positive. Hang on here. I don't have a coffee mug today. I have a cup. Dunkin Donuts coffee here I love Dunkin Donuts coffee they make the best coffee they're better than Starbucks in my opinion and uh I'm going to take a sip, hang on mmm and maybe two sips they have like this little plastic lid on the cup and it's like one of those sippy cups like for little kids so it's kind of <laughs> great design I guess anyway, since I'm on the topic of you know, films and stuff entertainment that I've recently you know, taken in um, you know I, I watched this movie uh, a couple nights ago actually, it was a movie, it was another Netflix movie, um it was called The Tall Grass okay, and uh don't worry, you don't need a spoiler alert or anything um but this movie was really good I mean it was really good the critics you know didn't like it or whatever I've kind of checked it out a little bit you know the the critics were you know negative and you know uh, um kind of like I think wrong you know (laughs) I watched the film and it wasn't that bad you know but um The reason that I'm bringing it up is because I was watching this film and about halfway through it, I kind of thought to myself, this movie is like hell, you know, Uh, like the place hell, you know, like it kind of just occurred to me or, you know, came into my mind like this is what hell could be like. You know, I won't say too much more because I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but watch the movie and see for yourself. I just kind of, you know, I just kind of like, I don't know. It was just like the the camera angles and the story and the lighting and the faces of these people and, you know, what they were encountering and stuff. It wasn't a typical horror film. You know, there was a little bit more going on. Um, I guess it was based on a novella by Stephen King, but, um, you know, a lot of the Stephen King books, or I should say, no, not the books, the movies, the movies that came out, the Stephen King movies like Pet Sematary and Cujo and Creepshow and Thinner and It, you know, um, with the exception of a couple of them, they really, at least in my opinion anyway, they are just so dated. You know, and they, they could have been done better. And they were done at this time when film was being made a certain way. And uh, what was scary then, you know, back in the 80s or 90s, isn't really scary anymore. It's kind of corny and kind of cheesy sometimes, with, you know, some rare exceptions. And there are some films that remain scary, you know, no matter how old they get, like The Shining, you know, it's still effed up. You know, that's a crazy movie, isn't it? Isn't that movie awesome, though? Let's talk about that for a minute, that movie The Shining by Stephen King, the book, based on the book by Stephen King, but directed by Stanley Kubrick, right? I mean, you don't need me to introduce it to you, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, can a movie be any better than that when it comes to being scary and weird? It's like, oh my gosh. What is it about Stanley Kubrick? You know? like Let's think about that for a minute. What is it about that guy? You know, there's all these people who are making movies and stuff. They make films, and they're all really talented and good, and they get paid a lot of money, and, you know, they make classic films. But what is it about Stanley Kubrick that makes him different, really, than everybody else? I mean, is it like... His sensibilities and his eye, you know, how he sees a film in his mind, or I guess how he used to see a film in his mind because he passed away. God rest his soul. Yeah, you know, what, what is it about Stanley Kubrick that makes his movies so much better than everybody else's? You know, I mean, it's one of those things where as soon as one of his films like starts, you can tell just by the setup and the lighting that it's him. You know, isn't that amazing? I love his films. I do. I do. He he is a master at that. I guess he was probably one of those dudes who would fall into that category of mastery of what they were doing because you know he's been gone for a long time now, and his films will live on. You know they—they'll never get old. You know, um, I think about that sometimes. You know, it must be extremely difficult to make a great film. You know, because there are so many stupid films that are available to see, but only a small, elite, select group of films are really timeless. You know, and really, really well done. It must be one of the most difficult things to do. Like, you know, anybody could make a movie. I could make a movie. You know, you give me a camera and enough time and enough coffee and I'll, I'll make you a movie. It'll probably suck, you know, but I can do it. But to make something on film, you know, to produce a film that is like timeless and speaks to everyone and, you know, functions on many levels, you know? It's like, wow, can you imagine? It must be so difficult, you know? Hmm. Do you ever think about that? You know? Have you ever thought about making a film? Or have you ever thought about, if you did make a film, what it would be about? Huh. Something to think about. It's kind of fun. I suppose it could be argued that, you know, making a great album you know or making a great song would probably be just as difficult but I don't think so I think that it would be easier that's just my opinion I, I think that and, and not because I'm a musician or anything I think it's like you know to make a film or something like that that's timeless I mean you're you're dealing with so many uh, different mediums you know you're you are dealing with music you're dealing with emotions and acting and words right? Dialogue, monologue uh lighting camera angles, cinematography all that, right? It's like, it's just such an amazing thing sometimes you know uh, we have the luxury, I guess of sitting back and just pressing play and watching you know, what someone else has created and um It's not lost on me, you know, the difficulty, you know, um, I love film, you know, I love film, I I love to, I love to watch movies, you know, uh, and not just fiction and not just science fiction and not just horror films, you know, um, even documentary films I like to watch, you know, I like to learn something sometimes, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm probably no different than everybody else, right? Everybody else in the audience is kind of sitting there thinking the same thing I am, you know? Either this movie sucks or <laughs> this movie is great, you know? Or, I uh, it was okay, you know? I uh, it was okay, you know? I suppose uh, it's not really important, is it? No, not really. It's kind of like a way of just killing time. But... That's not always true, you know, because, uh, you know, the idea, I guess, in life, right, is to always try to be learning something, right? Learning some kind of lesson or, uh, you know, reflecting on things a different way, gaining a new perspective, right? Film can do that for us, right? And uh, and it can also be educational, too, you know, uh, which is good. It's a good thing. So, yeah, sitting here in my studio. So quiet outside. It's, you know, definitely not summer anymore. You know, it's autumn. That time of year, my favorite time. So, uh, yeah, I guess I would like to talk more today, but I really can't. Sorry, folks. I got to sign off here, but you know the drill. Stay tuned. So after this podcast is over, and I'll have a new piece of music for you to listen to today, um, I think that my audience has been enjoying a little bit of music at the end of these podcasts, you know? And uh, you know what? I enjoy it too. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, my happy innovators, this is your host, Mike Bostwick, signing off for now from Pipe Choir Records. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody. Hey there, happy innovators. You hung in there. Yay! It's happy fun time. We get to hear some music. And, you know, what I got for you today is a song that I did a long time ago. It's a song I did back in, like, 2016 or 2017. It's a song called Walking the Wall. And uh, it's an instrumental track. It's kind of chilled out and peaceful and calm. Nothing heavy and abrasive today, just something chilled out. And uh, it was one of those 24 hour songs. 24 uh, hour song being a song that I recorded from beginning to end in one day. You know, I start out in the morning and I just start going. And then right around supper time, I stop, have something to eat. And then after supper, I go back and I edit. Everything I take out what I don't want. I keep what I do want. I make this a little bit louder. I'll change this a little bit over here. And by the end of business that day, when the sun goes down, I have a completed instrumental track, right? Uh, well, this song, Walking the Wall, is one of those. Um, it was a lot of fun to make. Those 24-hour songs are usually fun because there's no room for analysis. You know, you just go. And whatever comes to mind, you know, pick up the bass guitar, whatever comes to mind, pick up the drums, whatever comes to mind, I play it, you know, there's not a lot of overthinking of anything. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's the song, Walking the Wall by PC3, a Creative Commons song available free for you to use in your videos and whatnot, um, without fear of retribution and, uh, So here we go, Walking the Wall, PC3.